0: Thank my old friend. Yes, I'm back from my trip. And I've got a lovely bubbly episode of On The Ledge podcast just for you. I'm interviewing farmer Nick. Yes, Nick Katsumpus. Star of Netflix's Instant Dream Home. Author of The Plant Coach. And all round jolly good chap. About everything from impulse plant buys to why he wants to have an olive tree named after him. I've been to Canada to see my folks. I can report that my mum's coffee tree has doubled in size since I was there just over a year ago. So perhaps it's in the blood. And now I'm back and having my bottom kicked by jet lag. Unfortunately, 3am is not my friend. But the show is here to wake me up and hopefully provide you with some planty diversions in the form of my chat with the wonderful Nick Cutsumpus, a.k.a. Farmer Nick. He joined me via the wonder of the Internet to chat about all things plant related and our shared love for sustainability. And I started by asking Nick a very simple question. Please introduce yourself.
1: Sure, uh, Nick Katsumpas, also known as Farmer Nick. I am a plantpreneur, passionate about all things green, and that can be landscaping, environmental landscaping, uh, floristry, house plants, growing food. My one true love—if it's green and it helps the planet—that's what it's all about.
0: Awesome, and I love your sh- tv show i recently got a copy of your book which actually i'm not gonna lie it's it's gone up into my top three houseplant books no time. way
1: yes it, has. <laughs> it actually
0: has i mean i'm not gonna say i was surprised but oftentimes like you know there's there's houseplant books and houseplant books aren't there you know there's kind of coffee That's table books that look gorgeous and but you, i was really impressed with your book we'll come on to that Thank but you. i want to first start with talking about um I guess the old saw of people always ask this of me and I'm sure you too. Was this something that was kind of in your DNA loving plants or did you come to it through some epiphany? Was there some moment of discovery or was it just in the blood?
1: It was a come to plant Jesus moment for me (laughs) because I, I honestly had no plants ever growing up. My family was not, a family that had houseplants in the home. A couple of years, we'd maybe grow some tomatoes outside, right? When I was younger, but we had nothing. And it wasn't until I graduated college in 2014. And I'm set to live a very corporate New York City life, businessman, all that stuff. And I was living at home, saving up money, paying back my loans. And my mom said, okay, if you're going to live at home rent-free, you got to do something around the house. So I was like, all right, well, what do you want me to do? And she suggested I start a garden. We had just lost a tree in the backyard. And there's this empty spot there that got a lot of sun. And without knowing anything about plants, went to Home Depot, threw some tomatoes and pukes in the ground. And from the moment that I tasted the literal fruits of my labor, it was was just love at first sight. It was amazing. I was like, how can I have this experience inside outside for everything that I'm doing in my life and was fortunate enough to to make it a career four years later.
0: Amazing stuff. Yeah, it's really crazy. It's that moment where you sort of taste that strawberry or something just really hits you out of nowhere. And I don't know about you, but then you're kind of like telling people about it, being evangelical. This happened to my husband when we got an allotment. It's like, have, yeah. you, have you found this secret? It's so exciting. And people are looking at you like mm. You should have seen
1: the looks I got when I would bring in my produce to the office. So I'd show up to the <laughs> office, big corporate office building in New York City yeah. with a basket of zucchini. Because you know how it is with oh, oh, yeah. courgettes. courgettes out there, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, it, absolutely. Yeah. You're going to have can't beat them fast many. enough.
1: And I was yeah. just giving them away to people and putting them on their desk and stuff. They thought I was crazy.
0: Yeah, the same. When I worked at the Guardian, the same, I used to bring stuff in. I used to make a load of jam and bring it in. And I, and I remember, I remember a colleague of mine, uh, a particularly sort of uh, fruity colleague of mine, journalism colleague going talk, talking about my blackcurrant jam and saying, "It's like an angel crapping on your tongue." <laughs> <laughs> I converted him that way. Uh. Oh, that's fantastic to hear. So the rest obviously came cascaded from their house plants. Yeah, you know, des- outside design. You wanted Absolutely. it all.
1: Absolutely. I wanted it all. And once I moved from the suburban home of my parents into New York city, that's when the houseplants came into the picture because I went through this withdrawal of, Oh my gosh, I, I don't have the green in my life. That's making me so happy and fulfilled. So I did the only thing that a rational man would do. And I went out and bought a hundred houseplants for my 600 square foot apartment. (laughs) It made sense. You know, this makes me happy. Let's buy a hundred of these things. And that was about the time the Instagram kind of started and people started asking questions. Hey, can you help me with this? Can you maybe do this at my space? And it it just started snowballing from there.
0: Yeah. That is, that's a steep learning curve right there going straight in with a hundred houseplants.
1: Wow! Oh, I mean, I had good plant instincts, as you know, you know, outdoor and indoor, very different, but if you have good instincts and can start to really pay attention, and that's the key is I talk about in the book all the time. It's like, don't read the care card, just pay attention. The care card doesn't know your environment. It doesn't know what's happening in your space. It doesn't know that, you know, the construction across the street prevented light coming through your window. You have to adjust. And you have to observe your ecosystem. And I was good at that. I was always good at that. So it made the houseplant process very uh, smooth or relatively smooth. And it was something that I wanted to teach my clients. Like, hey, this is not something that you just put a Google reminder in your phone on watering day. These are living beings that you have to actually interact with in order to know how they function
0: yeah absolutely and what kind of things were in that list of 100 plants were you kind of going down the aroid route or was it just whatever cook your fancy
1: honestly anything i was down except (laughs) succulents i i couldn't get into succulents until i moved to los angeles Ah, because there they're growing on the street and it's like a dollar it's it's easy um, but I, I was a huge fan of, of Monstera in the beginning, just because it was like the interior design plant. I had the fiddle leaf fig, but I also really got attached to alocasia, which I know most people don't like because they're tricky and they get spider mites, but there's so many amazing leaf, uh, variations and colors. And the alocasia reticulata in particular was a, a favorite of mine and I got good with those and you know oftentimes there's certain plants that are tricky for some people but really easy for others mm-hmm. that was the one that i really loved
0: yeah that's really true i mean alocasias and me we're not good bedfellows. we don't get along we are <laughs> uh, one might say arch enemies but uh, give me a cactus or give me uh you know I guess Neriad and I'm away. So you're right. It, it just, you've got to choose those things that are going to be something you feel like you can really pay attention to and make them thrive. Now, the other thing that I didn't mention about your book plant coach that I absolutely loved was the fact that you put the planet into the title and it, I'm glad to see that, you know, sustainability is, is very important to you and it's something that's very important to me. Why was that something you wanted to put front and center?
1: That was a very conscious choice because I'm approaching plants and gardening through a environmental lens. Because for me, there's no point in having these beautiful plants if it's not connecting us to nature and making us think about nature a little bit more. For me, it wasn't until I got thrown into my backyard situation that I started acknowledging like, okay, like, if I care about these plants, shouldn't I be caring about all the plants that are around me and what's happening to them with climate change and all the issues that we're facing as a, as a world? And for my clients, I tell them all the time, I'm like, listen, like, this is a stepping stone. You interacting with this plant, I don't care if you name it and talk to it every day, you sing to it, play the ukulele for it, I don't care. Whatever strengthens your connection to that little plant, is great because it's going to get you to start caring about or at least thinking about the big plant we all live on. That's the goal. House plants are great. If you want to collect them, great. If you want to just look at them, great. But just their presence being in your space will make you view the environmental issues in a new light. And that's always the the forefront goal in everything that I do.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really great philosophy and it's I see it so often people who get into house plants and then they're suddenly stopping on the street and looking at the plants growing in cracks in the pavement and realising that, oh, yeah. oh, my local council is, you know, spraying weed killer on all this stuff and maybe that's not such a good idea. And, and it all snowballs from there, doesn't it? It really does. Um, and that's why I guess the last couple of years have been really powerful. How have you found the sort of the pandemic period in terms of um, your own um, fans and followers and their commitment to plants?
1: It was a huge moment of growth, to be honest. You know, as the world started slowing down, that's great because plants are slow. You know, if you've got <laughs> a lot of time, plants are a great thing because it, it it's something that you need to kind of reset your, your mindset, especially if you're living in a big city and saying, okay, the world's kind of slowing down here. What am I going to do to help make me happy? Give me that sense of nurturing, sense of control in a very chaotic time and I think plants filled that void for many many people you know I'm sure you've seen it the rise of the pandemic plant parents all over Instagram and social media and like not saying it's a bad thing by any means I think it's a great thing because it just got people thinking differently and people ask me all, all the time as well like do you think that this is a fad because there were big trends in the 80s and early 90s with house plants and whatnot but I don't. I, I think it's here to stay because our generation is so focused on environmental issues. And if you having that plant it makes you more connected to some of those issues in that fight against climate change, I, I think it's going to stick for a long, long time.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. There's always going to be a few people, I think, that – went hard in on the house plant thing during the pandemic. I'm seeing a few of those Ikea greenhouse cabinets coming up for sale secondhand now where I think oh, people yeah. are going back out into the world and they're not at home all the time. And suddenly that big cabinet of, you know, Anthuriums is proving a little bit more tricky. Uh, but I agree with you totally that the core transformation has happened. And certainly I know my children, uh, they are really concerned about the environment. And even if they're not particularly interested in houseplants, they're really on the ball with environmental issues. And it's exciting to see. Um, and we've got to stay motivated, haven't we? Because it can get slightly depressing with the headlines. Oh, right sl- now.
1: Slightly depressing. <laughs> very, <laughs> I mean, very English depressing. Under- Soul-suckingly <laughs> depressing. It's terrible.
0: Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, I have struggled with that, how to talk to my son about it, because he gets particularly sad. He's 13. He gets particularly sad. And what do you say? Um, there is actually a good book that I want to read that's about this very topic, how to talk to children about climate change. And uh, it's a real mm. issue in my household right now. So yeah, I you try to focus on the things that you can do and the ways yes. that you can be active. And um, that is a powerful thing, but it, it's tough. It's tough. Um, going back to the book, sustainability at its core but I also love the practicality in there and your checklists were amazing chef's kiss love the checklist <laughs> love the way Thank that you, you laid it all out what was the inspiration for who were you trying to reach with this the plant coach
1: I think the main audience is going to be someone who, certainly erring on the side of a beginner but also wanting people who we're just looking to to connect with nature in a different way because there's a lot of books out there that just say here's what to do that's great but what people i found especially working with my clients there's so much correct information out there there's so much misinformation out there but more importantly they need confidence they need to feel empowered they need to feel confident it cannot be a source of stress just like you're mentioning the eco-anxiety of, of your son, right? Plant anxiety is real. I'm sure you've seen it, where people are so afraid to make a mistake. And that's why I wanted the book to be kind of funny and cheeky at times and, you know, be honest about what this is and how we can kind of develop a confidence that gives us the freedom to make mistakes. There is nothing better than, than going through the process of a, of a plant death. Because you learn. Now I'm not advocating you you do it on purpose or it happens because of negligence, but if you have a plant that you've taken care of and all of a sudden something happens to it and it passes on, that's a learning moment. That will never happen again. And people are so afraid of those things, but it's it's a part of life. And I wanted the book to be for that person who's a beginner who feels a little bit unsure of themselves, make them laugh, make them smile, give them the confidence that they need so that they can create their own green spaces.
0: Now, you have a great list in the book, uh, sort of plant shopping do's and don'ts, something I'm really passionate about, because as you say, we all kill plants from time to time and it's a great learning curve. But also, we sometimes make these impulse buys oh, that are just I've chronic. So tell me, give me an example of maybe your worst planty oh, impulse buy. There must be a few out there where you're like, why? Oh,
1: my Oh gosh. why? All right. Fess so- up now, Nick. I, I mentioned the Alocasia reticulata, one of my favorite plants. Alocasia very prone to spider mites. I had never really dealt with a major spider mite infestation. I go to a plant shop. And at this point, I'm about a year and a half into the house plant stuff. So I'm feeling good. That kind of like cockiness that's not fully deserved yet, you know? <laughs> and I see a couple really struggling plants on a clearance rack. And it's an Alocasia zebrina. Very similar, but another kind of wishless plant for me. I was like, oh my God, 30 bucks? And he goes, yeah, I'm just warning you. It's like been dealing with spider mites. No problem. Bring it home, treated it, didn't isolate it enough, put it next to my other alocasia. One week, gone. Whole infestation took over the plant. Doesn't matter how many times I treated it, it was nasty and I lost it. And that was a moment where you, you kind of feel humbled and you're like, okay, like maybe I, I I can't do this all. Maybe I have to be a little bit more discerning in what plants I bring home and let some of the other ones kind of, you know, do their thing or have someone else do it. Who's more capable potentially. So that was a a tough moment. I had my plant goggles on for sure, (laughs) but it happens.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I th- I love those. I think, you know, pests are messages from the universe ten- taught, sent to teach us that actually we're not as great as we think we are. I mean, this has happened to me numerous times. Oh yeah. Root Have you ever had root mealybugs? Root mealybugs. Root mealybugs. Oh my word. That's root a new mealybugs. one. That sounds yeah. like nightmare. Root mealybugs school you that you are not as good a plant person as you think you are i'm telling you they are oh really i've got to really bad. this so yeah um, root mealy bugs yeah sorry about that it's really quite bad but anyway uh you won't and the thing about root mealybugs bugs is you won't know it's a problem until it's too late because they're on the roots yeah. right you're not yeah. gonna see them anyway it makes you so paranoid that every piece of perlite you see you're looking at with a hand oh lens because God. you think it's a pest anyway that's my personal trauma you've, you've ruined me right? i'm
1: gonna go i'm gonna go unpot every one of my plants when i get home
0: Well, hopefully you don't have that problem. I don't even, yeah, it will. I'm sure you'll have them in in North America, but uh, you're right. You think you get to that stage where you've had some plants and it's all gone swimmingly and then winter hits or a pest hits. and
1: first winter. You know,
0: it's tough. More from Nick. In a little bit, but it's time for a little bit of housekeeping now. Now, if you sign up for Patreon on on the ledge, then you do get a shout out. And I also like to point out when people have gone up a tier. And that's the case with Catherine, who's upgraded from crazy plant person to legend, which unlocks all kinds of extra bonus things like ad free versions of the show and an extra episode of my bonus podcast, an extra leaf once a month. And of course, the legendary Christmas mail out. So thanks for upgrading, Catherine. And thanks to Kai, who has tried a free trial of the legend tier. Welcome, Kai. I hope you stick around. If you've got any questions about Patreon or other ways of supporting the show, then do drop me a line. I turned up in Canada and uh, my dad welcomed me wearing his on the ledge t-shirt. Yes, because my dad is my biggest fan. Every time he goes to the dentist or the optician, he basically bends their ear about the show. So so thanks, dad. Also just wanted to say uh, I received a one star review for my book Legends of the Leaf, which I'm not going to be precious about this. I'm a journalist. I have a thick skin. I'm not easily offended. But maybe I have some chutzpah in believing that this is not a one star book. So I just urge you, if you have enjoyed Legends of the Leaf, please go and leave a review. You can do that on Goodreads. You don't have to have bought the book from Amazon. You just have to be an Amazon customer to do that. And I'd really appreciate it. Uh, Your honest thoughts about the book. Uh, You don't have to give me five stars. That would be super nice. But I just feel like uh, this one star review is maybe dragging me down right now. And just a final reminder that if you have Pledge for the book, and you haven't received a copy, drop support at unbound.com a line, and they will be able to make sure that your copy is winging its way to you. Because I know there's a few people who still haven't confirmed their postal address, and that's vital to do before you get your copy. And there's also pre orders now open for my next project, which is a wonderful thing called Houseplant Gardener in a box. And that is a set of 60 cards contained in a delightful gift box plus a booklet full of gardening advice from little old me. It's a lovely present. The illustrations are beautiful. They're by an illustrator called Cody Bond. Um so I would love you to take a look at that. You can take a look at it on all of the usual places and you can pre-order a copy now. It will be released in October makes a very nice Christmas present, if I do say so myself, published by a new imprint called Skittle Dog. Skittle Dog. I like that. So yes, do go and check out the houseplant gardener in a box. I mean, I might at some point do a silly video where I'm in a box for, for Instagram. I mean, it seems an obvious thing to do. And just a reminder about the Plant Ledger, my email newsletter. It comes out every week and is packed. And I mean packed full of news about the houseplant scene. It's got an events listing for events in the UK. And people seem to love Jane's Planty Week, which is where I include a sort of a random smorgasbord of links to interesting things that I've been looking at this week. And people do love to check that out. Sometimes it's a little bit obtuse. Sometimes it's funny. You just don't know until you click the link. So you can sign up for the plant ledger by visiting janeperonecom forward slash ledger. That's L-E-D. GER And while you're on JanePerone.com, click on the shop link in the top right hand corner of the page and you too can join my dad and don some merch for the show. There's everything from tote bags and cooking aprons to mugs and T-shirts and hoodies to check out with various iterations of the On The Ledge logo and also a couple of other designs, my lovely hand lens gang illustration, which I totally am in love with. If you go to janeperone.com, click on the shop link and away you go. You can order items of your choice and it helps to support the show. And now it's time to get back to my chat with the lovely Nick Cutsumpus. I also wanted to talk to you about uh, getting a little bit more therapy out here. Uh, DIY. Mm. I am, I'm, I'm nearly, I've nearly hit my half century And I am the world's worst DIY, literally the (laughs) world's worst. The last time I drilled into the the wall of my house, water came out. That was not a good moment. Anyway, I have an old house.
1: That's a tough one. (laughs)
0: Um, So, yeah, I'm a DIY disaster area. But I want to know, there's some really nice DIY projects in the Blanc Coach book, I want to know any tips to help me improve at DIY without killing myself, you know, without causing, is it? Yes.
1: There are levels to DIY, you know, And, and I think part of the book is as you see with the different DIY projects in there is that they start off easy and then they get progressively harder. And I think it's all about just knowing like, okay, like what, what tools do I even have to get started? Because all you need to get started is a power drill. Get a couple nails, screws, a hammer, power drill. You're you're fine. Um, You don't need to go to a full workshop facility and build a coffee table planter, although that was quite fun. Um, But being able to just know like, okay, what am I capable of? And what's the the easiest thing that I can make just to get started? And for me, uh, that was the uh, those little air plant frames that I made. It was literally made with scrap wood. So funny story about those is actually all the wood that we use for the DIY projects uh, came from a company in L.A. called Angel City Lumber, which recycles fallen trees in Los Angeles. Oh, nice. So it's not net new lumber, which is really, really cool. And they let us use our facility. But that was something you could do at home. And all you're doing is taking scrap wood and making different shapes and putting a little stand in there with wood glue. We didn't even need any materials for that. Um, and it's so easy to do and gives your, your air plants a moment in the sun to shine because air plants are so underrated. I don't know why people aren't having hundreds of air plants in their home all the time because they're so easy and pet friendly. Um, so that's a good one that I think is really nice. But if you didn't even want to do any woodworking, um, a terrarium is, is so fun. You can do a dry open terrarium. You can do a closed wet environment terrarium. Um, those will eventually lead to your bigger vivariums and Ikea greenhouse cabinets down the road. But just grabbing a glass jar, reuse mason jar, and just put some soil in it and seeing what happens. It's a great activity for kids too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, terrariums I can manage. As a child, one of my projects as a child was my dad, God knows where he got it from, got me a massive, like, I don't know, a meter long fish tank. And I had that mm. full of plants as a kid. But, although because I couldn't, like get to the store because i was a kid to get any potting soil i use garden soil so i had worms in there
1: <laughs> wow. but it worked
0: pretty well it worked pretty well but yeah i think i need to upgrade to the next level of diy maybe those air plant holders you were talking about would be a good for me that would be a good project for me yeah. i can see that working and you're right air plants are really underrated i'm just actually um, doing a part of some plant trials, which I'm helping the uh, Royal Horticultural Society with about air plants. And I've just had my mind blown by the amazing array of different air plants you can grow. So yeah, air plants are good. Um, so yeah, Di. What I'm going to think about that. I'm going to go back to the book and look at those air plant things and see if I can get some wood glue and give that a go.
1: That sounds doable. Do it. Oh. Do it. And you <laughs> got to send me a picture so I. Have yeah, to. I'll send
0: you a picture. I'll send you a picture. And yeah, just don't laugh. <laughs>
1: No judgment. No judgment. <laughs> the good here. thing is,
0: my husband's just as bad. It's not like it's not like either of us is a DIY genius. We're both useless. We'd rather pay somebody to do this stuff, you know, like anything in our house. But then again, I did. Ha- I did actually manage to fill in some holes in a windowsill recently. Um, so I'm. I'm. I'm onwards and upwards. Onwards. Yeah, and we're upwards. on the up and up. I love it. <laughs> um, now I. You called yourself a plant, plant, I can't even say it. Plantrepreneur. Entrepreneur. That's hard to say. Uh, what does that actually mean to you? And and what do your parents think, having set you on this journey of loving people? Plant- <laughs> it's their fault, right? What do they think about your career as an entrepreneur?
1: You know, in the beginning, I, I didn't really have many family members or friends who are like, wow, like, this is amazing. This is your path. Do it. Cause they're, they're looking out for you. You know, they, they want what's best for you and the six figure job with benefits is a lot better than rolling around and playing in the dirt and not having many prospects. (laughs) So I would like to say that they had all the faith in the world, but I I don't think they did and that's okay. Um, But now I think, you know, having built this out, they're starting to understand that there's a strategy You know, having worked in the business world for six years, that was the best thing that could have happened for me because I developed uh, a a sense of branding and marketing and salesmanship that was authentic to me. And if I could sell someone else's company, really what I didn't believe in fully, how, how easy would it be to sell the vision that I have to make our world greener? Something I'm really, really passionate about. So that has been quite fun. And it's all about diversifying. Because you can't just rely on Instagram. You can't just rely on one thing. So for me, having my landscape design business, having uh, Instagram partnerships, having books and TV, investing in certain companies that are doing amazing things in the environmental and plant-based space for food, um, very interesting opportunities to kind of uh, expand and plant a diverse selection of, a plant a diverse selection of seeds, and see what comes up. And some of them I might be harvesting now. Some of them I might be harvesting in ten years. But it's all about just like seeing the long game. Which, as gardeners and plant people, we know that's the ultimate vision.
0: Absolutely. We are planting those seeds and trees for the future. Uh, And one of those seeds is the Netflix show Instant Dream Home. I really enjoyed uh, (laughs) watching this show. I had shed a few tears. It's one of those shows that catches you you. it's a tv makeover show it's a format that we're all familiar with but it's done in a really charming way um but i did feel a bit sorry for you because i kind of felt like when you're rushing to complete these projects that maybe your fellow renovators um didn't really get what what you were up against can you just tell listeners about the concept of the show and what was involved
1: i appreciate your sympathy it is (laughs) it is something I dealt with all the time. But the premise of the show is that we take a deserving family's home and we renovate it in one day, literally one day. And with that, you know, we have a team that has interior design, a build team, a special projects person, and then exterior landscaping. The problem is when you do something like this, there's 200 people on the job site and they're all going in and out of the house. So as the exterior person, how am I supposed to be planting trees and shrubs and redoing the walkway and everything associated with the exterior if there's a giant hole in the wall and people are trampling through the things I'm trying to plant? It's problematic. So a lot of my work ended up having to get done in that last half of the day until Mm -hmm. they were done inside. So oftentimes, and you'd see it on some of the episodes, I'd be running inside trying to help them out to speed up the process so me and my team could actually plant the garden.
0: Yeah, it I mean I I love these kind of shows because you see these amazing transformations and the family I mean maybe it's the wonder of TV but they do look genuinely blown away by the transformations. How much pressure was it on you though to feel like you are taking someone's very personal space and completely ripping it out and changing it in many cases.
1: You know, it's for me easy because I'm only doing the exterior. Mm. I'm not the one in the house that's, you know, doing something to the kitchen and the bedrooms where they're spending a lot of their time. Mm. So for me, it was a little easier. I know on the interior design side that there, it's hard knowing that you've made all these memories in these spaces and it's it's going to look different. Um, but I felt a lot of pressure because that first look is all exterior. When you see the before and after, that is just the exterior work, the facade, the garden, the hardscaping, all of it. And I want that first impression to be spectacular, whether it's from the family, the neighbors, anyone just driving by. Curb appeal is so important to a home's value too. And that was my favorite part is seeing their reaction and also acknowledging how many of them were like, wow, look at these new plants we have? This is amazing. So that was it was quite special for me.
0: And do you sort of after the show's finished filming, do you then sort of have to go, okay, here's your care plan? Because you've giving people
1: oh, they get a, a, book. a whole they load get of a plants whole book. to do with. Oh my gosh. Oh wow. It's, it's a book on the entire house. New appliances, uh, the plants, anything that we did differently in the house, there is a a manual for. And there's a lot, right? But, you know, in my job, you know, we want to make it as sustainable for the families as possible. So, right. We're running irrigation. We're doing those things just because we want it to be as low maintenance as it can be.
0: And which was your favorite of those projects that you worked on for the home? Uh, <sighs> any, any ones that you'd be like, I'd like that garden.
1: I mean, I, the first episode when we built the, the edible garden in the side yard was amazing. Mm, and that family yeah. was unbelievable. There's a reason it's the first episode. That's the one you need your tissues for, for sure. Oh, yeah. But aside from that one, which I know is an easy answer, I actually love the fourth episode where it rained the entire time. <laughs> because when it rains in landscaping, you're like, all right, guys, like, pack it up. See you tomorrow. Let's hope for the best. But we had no choice. And I'm supposed to build a little patio area that's supposed to be dry and it's literally filled with water. So that was a very fun episode (laughs) to overcome those challenges, make a makeshift tent, be able to lay down the, the pavers that we needed for that space. It was wild, but it was a lot of fun.
0: And what's been the reaction to that show? Have you had colleagues in the garden design world, sort of take issue with you for doing uh, what's kind of an instant makeover show it it, has there been any pushback from anybody or has the reception been
1: good? there's always pushback you know like there's folks who say oh my god you cut down so many trees why'd you cut down so many trees and when you when you talk to them and in you you try to explain like hey you weren't there This tree was diseased. This tree was struck by lightning last year. All you're seeing is the the chainsaws. You're not seeing what actually happens and why we're doing what we're doing. Um, Some of it was also, you know, things that the family had talked about in, in interviews. Like, oh, we'd love to do this addition, but the tree's in the way. So we have to do this, this and that. A lot of it's not up to my choice. Obviously, when I work with clients now, I'm always pushing to save as much as we can. But you know, inevitably it happens. You have to do it sometimes. It's a part of the job. So that you get some pushback on. And then also you get folks saying, Oh, was it really done in one day? Blah, blah, blah. Yes. But it's months and months and months of planning and preparation that go into knowing exactly what that schedule is. So there's no mistakes or as little as few mistakes as there can possibly possibly be on install day.
0: And is there gonna be another series? The important <sighs> question.
1: I honestly I don't know <laughs> it's been wild working with Netflix we just got nominated for an Emmy for wow, best in well, our category. congratulations thank you thank you so I I hope that would inspire them to to want to bring it back but I also know it's it's an endeavor it's it's a lot of people on a job site it's a lot of work so we'll see what happens
0: and what's your award ceremony outfit going to be is it going to be something you know a suit made of leaves or something you got to think about that right
1: oh uh, I mean it's very important <laughs> it, the Emmys got postponed to September because of the writer's strike here in the oh, U S right, yeah. so I have some time to think about it. I'm open to ideas, but I was okay. thinking about trying to like go and like thrift a, a green suit or yes. something like that. I think would be quite fun, but uh, yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens.
0: Fellow thrift enthusiast here. I love a thrift oh, store. The best. Oh gosh. The best. And I love, I mean, I have family in Canada, and when I go to Canada, I love like comparing. In, in the UK, we call them charity shops, and I yes. love comparing. Like, oh, well, in the U- in the UK, this would be. I love it. It's just international thrifting. It's great. The UK
1: has great charity shops. In London, yes. I got a, a Burberry yeah. trench for seventy pounds.
0: Yeah. Yeah, amazing. I have three on the road I live on, which is amazing. So I'm just uh, like, oh, I've got to go out to the shops. I might just be popping in the charity shop on the way home. It's it's go. great. It's really great. And what's also really good is that uh it's a good place for getting like plant pots as well. Like, oh, yeah. you know, you can for your house plants, you you can find some really interesting containers. So that's always a good one. Now we've got a little quick fire round to finish off this interview. You have not been prepared for these. So I'm just going to, just going to kick off with the most important question of all poinsettias. Yes. Or no, there's no, you can't qualify. It's just yes or no. No. Thank you. You will be allowed back on the show. Thank you for that answer. We don't need any elaboration.
1: That's all you need to know.
0: (laughs) I'm yeah, we could get further into that. But yeah, that's just the perfect answer. Okay. Next question. Um, you're off to your desert island and you can only take one houseplant with you. House what plant. are you taking along? Or, or one plant. Let's, let's broaden it out. You can take one plant with you. Say, what are you taking to the desert, a desert island? Desert. It
1: might not last so long. Yeah. It's uh, got to be a cactus. More, yeah. got to be a cactus. Um, I'm taking, oh, I'm taking a sunflower. Sunflower. They're great. They they pull out heavy, heavy metals out of the soil. They produce food. They're good for pollinators and they're beautiful.
0: Perfect answer. Uh, Your plantagonist, the plant that you cannot get along with, whatever you do, you've done the research, you've studied it, you've cared for it endlessly and it still dies.
1: Don't judge me here.
0: I'm going to totally judge you. Sorry. Pilea.
1: <laughs> really? I, I honestly don't know. I see these people's pileas and they're huge. They're amazing. Uh, and mine's, yes. mine's fine, but it hasn't grown ever, ever.
0: Yeah. That's an interesting one. I mean, that's a whole nother podcast right there, but I'm I mean, just going to say to you. You could
1: say Calathea, for Yeah. Like, that's boring answer. Pilea's is a little bit better for me.
0: I would, the only thing I would say is maybe try growing it in water because, Ooh. you know, they, if you read, um, if you go into the, the scientific research, um, they, they've been found growing in fountains in uh, China, where, in Yunnan province in China, where they actually grow. So maybe try water mm. culturing
1: it. That's a good idea. Just a thought. Yeah, But let's crack
0: on with, was that question three? Um, I think think this is question four. And question four is, um, I've forgotten question four. It's totally escaped my mind. Oh, yes. Who is your planty
1: hero? David Fairchild.
0: I don't know if you know
1: who David Fairchild is. Uh, I,
0: I know there's a Fairchild Gardens. I'm guessing that he is the namesake.
1: Yes, he was one of the first great American botanists who was responsible uh, working for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in like the 1920s to go out and find different plants that we could grow here in the United States. And he brought back the avocado, uh, which is obviously huge in, in California. He brought back different species of hops for beer, so many different varieties he brought back. And he was the one that brokered the deal with the shogun of Japan to bring the cherry trees to Washington, D.C. OK, that's yeah.
0: that's pretty that's pretty fine. I, amazing I can go guy. With that.
1: Amazing yeah, guy. that
0: sounds good. I mean, who, how could we live without cherry blossom? I mean, that's just amazing. <laughs> OK, final question is uh, the, the botanists come to you and they say, Nick. Nick, we'd love, we think you're a really great guy. We love what you've done with your book and with Instant Dream Home. We just want to name a plant species after you. Now, w- Nick, what species, what kind of plant do you want to have your name?
1: Mm-hmm. It could be,
0: you know, it, it can be uh, anything you want. It could be a house plant or it could be an outdoor plant or an edible. What do, What are you thinking you want your name to be attached to?
1: Wow, leaving a legacy. Um, I'd say it would definitely have to be edible and outdoor. Um, I I honestly like. I think a a variety of an olive, an olive tree, would be amazing for a couple reasons. Number one, I'm Greek, and that would fits naturally. Number two, uh, it's olive oil so uniquely tied to, to the culinary cuisine in the Mediterranean. And it's also, you know, the idea of extending an olive branch is peace and what that represents. So I would definitely want it to be an olive tree.
0: I love that. I was, I thought I was leaning towards you saying a tomato, but
1: I was wrong. I was close. Wrong. I, was, I was wrong. Because I'm thinking
0: there's so many like I can just see, you know, tomato cutsumpus. Like that would be yes. a great I mean it would be it's a great name for any cultivar of any plant, but I would, I would be yeah. very into it. I would be buying we'll that. I'm
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm sold. I'm really I'm really uh, I don't know about you when it comes to buying um seeds of vegetables and things, but I'm totally suckered by a name. If it's got a cool name, Oh, I'm yeah. in there. I'm buying it. It doesn't matter if it, you know, tastes terrible. I just love the oh, cool names. There,
1: there's a tomato I grow, Indigo Rose, which like black.
0: Oh yes, yeah, yeah.
1: Delicious tomato. I only bought it because the name. What a great yeah, name. Yeah, same,
0: same. I bought it for the same reason. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And tomatoes are great. Uh, my this year I'm growing a classic heirloom uh, tomato, short season tomato called Yellow Scotland. And um, so it's a short season because here in the UK, growing tomatoes outside, it's it's a bit of a, yeah, it's a, it's a gamble, let's say um and these ones are supposed to ripen early so we'll see but uh, they usually do but it just depends on the weather so i like a bit of yellow scotland but i would certainly have a tomato named after me i think that would be great but i love the olive that message was really good I, yeah that was <laughs> perfect it's almost like you've done tv nick it's very impressive you
1: know comes with the territory
0: <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for joining me today it's been tremendous fun to find out all about you and all that you do um just Finish off by telling us, um, aside from obviously Netflix, where people can find you.
1: Yeah. Online, if you want to find me on social media, it's just at Farmer Nick on Instagram. Message me questions about your plants. I'm always happy to help. And then farmernick.com. You can see some of our portfolio work and some of the business, and also lots of blogs on sustainability. Perfect.
0: Thank you so much, and um, yeah, happy growing. I hope you have a good growing season. Thanks, Jane. Appreciate it. Do go to the show notes at janeperrone.com to look at the transcript of the episode and information about Nick's book and Instant Dream Home. That's all for this week's show. I will be back in two weeks time with another cracking episode of On The Ledge. So please do join me then. In the meantime, I hope your plants, from the aloe vera to the zamiococcus, are bringing you heapfuls of joy. Bye! The music you heard in this episode was Roll Jordan Roll by The Joydrops, The Road We Used to Travel When We Were Kids by Komiku, and Whistle by Benjamin Banger. All tracks are licensed under Creative Commons. Visit the show notes for details.